0: Welcome to Mind, Body, and Soul Awakening, where we celebrate resilience, honor triumph over tragedy, and inspire transformation, guiding you on a life-changing journey of healing and self-discovery. I am Stars Tina your host. mom, she's an author, she's a philanthropist, and she is the queen of oversharing. Hello, Barbara. How are you today? Hey,
1: I really am the queen of oversharing. I, I used to, yes, I am the queen of, you, those, <laughs> quick, those, were, those were inside thoughts that came out the mouth. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. So when I was watching these, my first question is, did you make, how did you find out these things? Did you Google them like about the eggs and the, what
1: was that other thing the water the rice in the water yeah. i'm a curator i find test and share everything that i think is going to make your life a better life i have not i'm not I, I don't reinvent the wheel i just test out the wheels that are going to work the best so you don't have to and <clears throat> right now i'm working on this um grilling it's like a grilling segment something that I'm, you know because there's all these TikTok hacks and i'm like that sounds like bullshit. You know, I'm like, all right, so I'm going to go ahead and test it all out. So you're not like left holding the bag of like, this was a bunch of malarkey. Um, so yeah, I'm a curator. I love it. And we don't have to waste time. You're doing
0: all the work for us. I love yeah,
1: it. I'm going to move you to the front of the line.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. So congratulations on all the wonderful new things. As you know, this show, we really dive into those conversations that people really don't want to talk about. So I wanted to start a little light with, you know, you're doing the Today Show, what would you say, or, you know, any of the shows, what would you say is one episode or one scene or something that pops into your head that was so much fun, so outrageous that you can think of? You know, I love being on the plaza. Anytime I'm
1: on, like, the Today Show plaza, um, I feel like I am right where I was always supposed to be. Uh, So I think just doing, um, being out there, whether it was 4th of July or Halloween, uh, being out with the audience, I love an audience. I love a crowd. I love energy. I love inspiring others. You know, I love telling them like I didn't do this until I was in my 40s, and I, you know, I I have no educate no degree or practical knowledge in television, but it's something I really wanted to do, and I started to take action in my 40s, and there I was like on the plaza. So every time on the plaza, I have this moment of like I'm really living my dream
0: i love it and again i'm going off our main topic but it's okay you know this is real life right i love how you said being around people and when i met you it's so funny i was on the side and someone's like oh my, oh my god that's barbara Chesky. and they are like all scared i'm like okay let's go talk to her like what's a lot they were like shaking in their boots and you were so real and so just like hey what you doing? like you know we're doing these little video thingies and I got to talking to you about your plane. I love Instagram. Just let me tell you. So I was scrolling. You have a good Instagram feed because it kept me going. I told you my goal was five, 10 minutes. I was on there probably 30, 45. I'm scrolling, <laughs> you're watching, whatever. But I, I know you're in Princeton, which I love. I'm a Jersey girl. I worked in Princeton at New York Sports Club. Lots the of people there are so friendly. But I noticed you, are you taking plane lessons, flying lessons? Yeah.
1: I, so I, I, <laughs> I'm really into private aviation. I think that's where the puck is going. You know, like Wayne Gretzky said, go where the puck is going. And I think that there's going to be a movement to more private aviation where it's going to become more cost effective. It's going to become more practical, more accessible. Um, but, pr- you know, until it really t- does become more cost effective and practical, I got to I gotta learn how to fly myself. I'm like, <sighs> I'm going to do this. I am. So time is your most valuable commodity. I'm going to go ahead and fix this if I if I can, which I can. Go cannot. for it,
0: go for it. Um, hold
1: on, stay right there, we gotta like keep going. Yes,
0: as she's getting that together, guys, when I met her for the first time, I had this huge goal, I'm not even gonna say dream, goal to have my own plane, and she has her own plane, and she was telling me how great it is to just go out, and you don't have to worry about waiting for luggage, or waiting in lines, you just pretty much walk out, and there's your car, and you go, so now she's talking to us about Flying lesson. so she's just thinking bigger and bigger and bigger. I say think big times 10. And I think she went to like a thousand. So, well, you know, let's talk about that
1: because I think, you know, so many people just are their biggest, you're your biggest problem. And if you start getting curious instead of judgmental and then just say, oh, that's for rich people and that's for smart people and lucky people and like, you know, wait a second. Is that something you're interested in? Is that something that you are, because if, if you want it, you just have to ask yourself, you know what, that is something that I definitely, definitely want access to. Then you reverse engineer. And are you willing to do the work to, to get that? Like, it's all about doing the work, right? As long as you're willing to do the work, you can have anything that you want. But we have this, we're a lot of us are programmed to almost safety, ourselves, like safety, put us in the safety, you know, oh my God, that's for other people. It's not for other people. It's for anybody who wants it. Stop thinking like that. Then, and I always talk, honestly, anytime I do a keynote or anything, I start with like, we're going to do a checkup from the neck up because you're, oh, really, you don't realize it, but we're our own worst enemy. We are the biggest obstacle in our own way. Well, they told me I wasn't good enough. Yeah, but you decided to believe that. That's on you. What their opinion is a reflection on them. And I hear that over and over again. Oh, i that's for other people. Private aviation isn't for other people. It's for anybody who's interested in private aviation. Are you willing to do the work is the question. So for me, yes, I have a fractional ownership, right? But I'm also like, all right, this is just ridiculous because I'm paying pilots. You pilots, you, you fly with two pilots on the Honda jet. And I'm like, why don't I just learn how to fly my ass Learn how to fly. <laughs> She's not gonna be driving her car. I'm getting in my jet right now. Lot of- I'm like, just give me the keys, Lisa. Give me the keys. That's from a movie. I don't know if anybody knows that movie that I just did a movie. About. Give me the keys, Lisa. Um, anyway, that's kind of my mentality. So here's where I'm at. I took some flying lessons because the key is like, all right, I want. I think I want to learn how to fly. Do I have insecurities? 100%. I do have this narrative that I'm like, I don't know if I'm smart enough to do that. I don't know. But I don't know unless I go. I don't know unless I take the next. I'm not in the business of talking myself out of things until I come across something that is like impossible. But everything is possible if you're willing to roll up your sleeves, do the work, and and be persistent and persevere through struggle, frustration, confusion. Um, I just have to decide if this is the best. So I took my first flying lesson. Um, I wasn't that good. um, And it wasn't that I was bad at flying. Um, I got very nauseous. And not only that, I wanted, I swear to you, Tina, I wanted to take a nap. I was like, oh, I'm so (laughs) And I was like, uh, I don't know if that's that's not a good sign because you're in the smaller Cessnas learning how to fly. And the, I guess the
0: um, cabin pressure just kind of was like, nappy time. So, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Did you think 10, 15 years ago, one, you would own a plane, two, that you'd be taking flying lessons? like The lifestyle that you have right now, did you plan it? Did you visualize it? A hundred percent. I love to hear that. I was waiting for you to say no, it just kind of happened. No,
1: no, that's so interesting. You, You don't learn how to fly a plane by accident. You don't learn how to be a surgeon by accident. You didn't learn how to do anything by accident. You had to take intentional action to learn something. And it starts with like, I want to learn that. I want to do that. That looks like a cool experience. Now, what had happened for me is I had flown private um, many years ago. I I didn't even have my daughter. So we're talking, Max was in a car seat. He's uh, 17. So maybe 15 years ago, I ended up on a private flight to Aspen. And so you go to the airport, you drive your car up onto the tarmac. They like open the gate. You drive your car onto the tarmac. They take your luggage out of the back of your car, put it in the back of the plane, and you go from your car right into the plane. There's no TSA. There's no baggage claim. There's nothing. So you go from sitting in your car to sitting on the plane in thirty the 30 seconds it takes you to get from one seat to get your ass into another seat. And then, like, the captain looks back. He's like, you guys ready to go? And I'm like, yeah. And then you're in the air. Like, they're going to park my car. So then they, they, the concierge comes in, takes your car, parks in the parking lot. And you see your, like your, your car isn't even parked and you're in the friendly skies, you know, opening up a cold brew, you know, not that I drink brews, but you know, for this story, it sounds good. And I'm like, oh, I, this is, I like this. I like this very much. I'm, like, I'm a natural. I'm like, I'm a natural. I'm and I was like, I got to figure it out. So I, what I always want to impart, pe- impart to anybody, like, do not do not stop yourself from dreamscaping and visualizing. And like, I share that story because I'm like, this is a really cool way to travel. Then you land, they pull up your rental car, you get off the plane, you get in your car, they take it the, and you drive away. Like, I don't know. It's like the, the, the convenience the simplicity and the all of a sudden like the world becomes so open to you like oh my god it's snowing in aspen let's go skiing in aspen but that's like money like you got a house some money and you know i'm like all right i want that so i have learned because you know i'm i am self-made i am not i'm not in, in, intelligent by any academic stretch of the imagination but i am ambitious and i've learned how to kind of just be like if that's what i want what do I need to do to get there? How did that person get that? And what do I need to do to, to, to get the things like, right. What do I need to do to, to get there? And when I find the difference between me and a lot of other people is they, they don't get curious they get condescending, they get judgmental, and they talk themselves out of their own dream. I'm not saying private aviation is for everyone. I'm saying that's something that's on my radar. But what's on your radar that you are like, wow, that would be really nice. But, you know, that I'm just, I don't need that. <laughs> you know, that whole ne- negative Nancy of like. Ugh, look at them. Must be nice. Do you understand that kind of like attitude, that person that you're looking in the big house, the fancy car, the lifestyle that you're like, oh, my God, like they're living there. They're living that life that maybe you you want and you're only hurting yourself by being snarky. Really? It's like snarky. Guess what they're, they're still living in their house. They're still, they're still, they're still in private. There's like, they're doing the things. And the only person you hurt when you're judgmental, negatively judgmental is yourself. And if you can move from judgment to curiosity, man, you open up opportunities for abundance, prosperity, happiness, stop judging and start getting curious and start asking questions. And that's the checkup that I talk about all the time. Like get yourself right. Like, get, get over your own bullshit. You're not, look at them, must be nice. You know what's all? It ain't nice. Okay.
0: <laughs> so it sounds like from everything that you're saying, it's all about experiences and being around the right people. And when you just said that, I went to the airport the other day, and as I'm going to the TSA line, you know how they have, well, I'm sorry, you don't know, because you fly private. But anyway. <laughs> I always fly private. You know, but yes,
1: continue. I do know the well, T. those TSA lines drive me bonkers and i'm like
0: exactly so i see on the side i've got this tsa pre-check and then clear and i'm just like usually i i love the airport because it's like my quiet time but i said to the guy if i chose clear or which one's better and now i'm thinking why should i choose like think (laughs) a little bit bigger so my next question to you again we still haven't even gotten on the topic did you surround yourself people to see these things because some people have never been to the airport they've never been on a private plane they've never even Talk to anyone who's had this. So did you surround yourself with people that thought bigger? Is that how you got to do the thing so big? You know, I that is an important element of it. It's definitely
1: putting yourself in the right rooms where people are very expansive in their, their thinking. Because a mind, once expanded, never goes back to its original form. Um, but not everybody is going to be the right people for that conversation. And I've learned that the hard way of people are like offended when I'm like, oh, I wonder what it's like to have oceanfront property or, you know, I'd like to have a, a penthouse in New York or a ski house in Vale, And I want to talk about real estate and business. And sometimes people, I, I got just this week, somebody said something to me of like, can you just stop talking about like, you oh, know, they said I- that. Yeah, but I was just, you know, I was just in the wrong group. But, you know, you got to know when to talk about certain things that you're like, okay I'll sit here and talk about, you know, sports and football. And, you know, fine, you're not interested in those things. So you just have to like kind of, I don't know, pick your spaces. But here's what I think is most important is really getting clear on your intention of what you want, getting clear on your vision of what you want your life to be, what that looks like relationships, lifestyle, how your, your health, your wealth, your happiness, like, you know, really getting clear on that because then you're able to kind of reverse engineer of like, are the things I do today in alignment with what I see down the line? But if you are not clear on what you want, And where you were going or you're always talking yourself out of that dream that constantly comes across your radar. You shut it down. You give it no energy. You're like, no, I'm not worthy. You know, if I could just get one person to be like, that dream keeps going across your radar because the universe is counting on you to live in pursuit of it. The world is counting on you to live at the highest expression of who you are meant to be. So stop playing small. You're not doing anybody any favors. Stop holding yourself back, shutting yourself down because it keeps crossing your screen because that is what you're supposed to be doing driving for. Because when you start living at the higher expression of you, you help others step into their own light, step into their own power, because courage is contagious. So it's so much more about, it's not just about you being in pursuit of the good life, it's about you also giving maybe the green light to others that they should be doing the same. Like, join me. It's going to be a little crazy. It's going to be, it's not going to be smooth, but we're on the journey of living our best life and optimizing that in our own lane. So that to me is like getting intentional. And you know, talks about it all the time is Oprah Winfrey. Yes. Like, yeah you got to find like you got to your energy has to match your intention and you have to you have to bring your energy and your vibration to your intention and you start looking at what you're doing and what you're saying and who you're hanging out with and what you're reading and you're consuming on tiktok and stuff like that and you're like that is not in alignment so you're talking about like do I hang out with I hang out with a bunch of different people like I'll hang out with Grant Cardone and all of a sudden I'm like I'm not thinking big enough I'm like I am the biggest (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the the room. But then I get that, like, well, if he can, why not? Like, I'm always like, oh, I just want to make a couple. And he's like, you you want to make a billion? I'm like, oh, I don't need a B. I don't need oh, a, a B. <laughs> a few M's, you know, like, I don't know. So anyway, I think that's the answer to that question is really just getting so clear and stopping the stop, stop, stop stopping yourself and start just letting yourself go and get into that space because the universe is calling on you. It keeps throwing it
0: in your face. Like, you got to do this. Now, when you get into these spaces, are you nervous? Do you feel sometimes or in the past? Have you ever felt not worthy? Like, being in a room with Grant Cardone, this morning, I well, yesterday, two days ago, I was going on my 300 list. I don't know if you saw Steve Harvey. We made a thing, write down 300 things you want for the year, and I got to, like, 125, and then I was like, oh. And then I'm like, I'm not thinking big enough. So when you're around Grant and those lots, you sometimes feel
1: like I'm not worthy or I can't do this. Now, I anytime I'm around everyone, I'm always like I belong here. I have (laughs) a certain. Yeah, I'm like, no, this is where I'm supposed to be. So I think, Tina, the important part is I've I think you always visualize yourself where you are. And the best example of that. So. I had gotten to the Today Show. So years, I, for years, I wanted to be on the Today Show. And I would visualized and I felt myself there. Like, energetically, I saw myself on the plaza and I'm shaking hands and I'm kissing babies and I'm high-fiving the crowd. And I, like, see myself so naturally at the Today Show. And, you know, when I got there for the first time, I was like, you know, you would think, like, oh, were you nervous? Not saying I wasn't nervous, but I was definitely also in the space of, like, I I I belong here. Like I've been here a million times in my my mind before I actually physically got there. So if like again, if I can in, impress upon anybody, at one thing is get there in your mind and your dreamscape because your energy will start following and you'll physically get there. Wow. Be on that plane. In your mind. So, whenever I fly, you know, fly private or I've been with, hung out with Grant and Elena, it was like, not like, oh my God, how did this happen? I was like, what took sure. so long?
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. We're going to dive into the conversation. Yes, we're 20 minutes in. We're just starting on the topic. So, what? Make sure you go on her Instagram because she did a great post. I wanted to talk about this, but we don't have time, but it has to align with everything you said. A dream written down becomes a goal, a goal broken down into steps becomes a plan a plan backed by action becomes reality. I love that right there because I don't know if you know Barbara, but you know, this is going to be on the E360 network under the limelight. And this is going to be nominated for an Emmy, the show that we're doing right now. Next year, they're going to say the Emmy goes to the Barbara Jęski episode. (laughs) Anyway, uh, we talk about trauma. That's when the energies of a trauma and a tragedy collide. And I interviewed Glenn the other day and he was saying oh no, it was Adam. And he had said, he does, I said, what's the one thing that you think made, you know, was your trauma that got you up to your triumph? And he said it was a mixture of things. It's not just one thing. So we know you're a huge thing. And on Instagram, she does a wonderful video. When I saw your video about your journey, I was like, Whoa, like you're there with the things in your vein and you're, I, I I remember years ago, you know, when you go for your breast exams and they said they had to take another test. Whatever it is. And girl, I'm like calling my life insurance. I'm, calling, I'm like, okay, if I die this, can yeah. you please share your journey with that? What it felt like? What it's just everything. I would love oh, to. Oh,
1: you know, it, every step was surreal because so as I am today, which is, you know, I, I, I'm into fitness. I did yoga at 630 in the morning. I'd run the New York City Marathon twice. Um, and I wasn't feeling well. And I went to the doctor and they were like, something's not something's not right in your GI. And I was like, yeah, don't I know it? And the crazy part was like, so I'm like a super optimist and I'm like, ah, you know, I'll figure it out. Oh, it can't be that. It can't be that bad. I'm 42. I ran the New York city marathon. Like you think you get a pass because you're a marathon runner or a triathlete or you're just like sit and you fit into like your same pants for 20 years. You're like, I get a pass. I can't, I keep my pants on. I get to bypass cancer. Anywho you know, first doctor was like, Oh, I think something. Then I get a colonoscopy and they're like, Oh, we found something. And then they call me. They're like, it's cancer, but we don't know what stage. And I, but all along the way, I'm like, well, it's going to be a light stage or it's going to be a low stage. I kept, I changed the language. I was like, Oh, it's pre-cancer. Like I was like, it's not cancer. It's pre-cancery. I use the word cancery. My best friend ripped my head off. She goes, cancery is not a word. What did the doctor tell you? And I starts sweating because I'm like, I thought they said cancerous E. I don't know. I was making up words. I didn't want to believe it. And then I go in and I have the surgery. So they remove the tumor. And I'm still sitting, I'm like, oh, it's gotta be, it can't be anything bad. I'm a a delusional optimist. And they call and they're like, well, Miss Majeski, it's a stage three and it's in your lymph nodes. And I'm like, (laughs) like because I think a lot of people, like you just said, go in. And the doctor's like, I got to do a second test. And they call, they write their obituary. And they're like, literally, <laughs> like they're like, it's over. It's, it's over. They fa- they, fa- they saw, they think they saw a little song. Like people go from zero to death in like that. I go from zero. I just, it took me a lot, lot longer to realize I'm like, and then they're like, oh, you have to have six months of chemo. And I'm like yeah, no, 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 no. Not me. Not me. I'm like, I have a ski trip planned and my boys and I are going to, we ski in the winter. So that's not going to work. And then I'm like, but that starts in January and then I do have to go till June. And I'm like, they're like, well, you won't lose your hair. I'm like, I ain't doing it, but I did it anyway. So the journey was like this, like a surreal, like experience. And, you know, I thought, prior to diagnosis, I would never do chemo. Like I would like suck on a carrot or something. I would do something holistic. Um, but when you're confronted with that and you have three young kids, you have to go with the most aggressive modality. And they were like, this is going to give you the highest chance of survival. You have to do X, Y, and Z. But I was like, can I just have some carrots and cucumbers, <laughs> you know, cause you see these things on the interwebs. They're like, I had grapefruit juice and I, you know, killed all my cancer cells. And I'm like, I would just rather do that. Anyway, I did the chemo. I did the, it, it was pretty crazy, uh, but I live, I'm a better person because of what I went through. You know, you, you grow through what you go through, they say. Yes. And yes. I'm definitely a better person for the experience. I'm like, I really am like,
0: I love how not just you, but all the guests. And it's crazy because when I was talking to my coach months ago, I was just like, it's not cool. My topic isn't cool talking about traumas and tragedies. That's not fun. And he's like, Tina, you make traumody look good. And I love the fact that every guest that I've brought on, like, we're talking about cancer and we're laughing. Uh, Pastor Jeff was talking about the loss, you know, his son. Passing away, and we're laughing. You know, Glenn's talking about you know how he tried to kill himself. So I love how we're turning these traumedies into triumphs. Can you share with the people this conversation you had with yourself if you made it through that kind of catapulted you to be that triumph that you're building today? Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny when you're saying traumedy, I thought it was like trauma with comedy. I'm like, That's what the to- real definition is. It is, but uh-huh. I made it my own, like how you <laughs>
1: Yeah. Like you got to make your own shit up. Yeah. No, I'm I'm here with you. Sorry. I curse because I can't curse on TV, but I curse in real life. <laughs> um, you know, I had a real um, breakthrough in the middle of chemo. And, you know, I, so I had a very positive attitude. I looked at other people that survived. I was like, well, if they made through cancer, this tough mother is going to definitely make it through cancer. And I, I had 12 rounds and about the eighth round, I was like, uh oh, I'm like I don't think I I don't think I I don't think I have this. And I had this real moment of like everything I've ever written is done. This is where the story ends. Every chapter that has ever been written about me is done. There's no more chapters. There's no more stories. How will my kids remember me? And I reflected on so many things that I was really proud of, you know, the things that I had overcome and persevered through that I really wanted my kids to know. And then, you know, just in this, I had this moment where I I recognized that everything I had real was really proud of, I wanted to quit. I wanted to quit. Like you get to that, that, I don't know, inflection point in your objective, like what you want to accomplish, that you are tired, you're not motivated, you're uninspired, you're you're just like, I don't wanna do this anymore, I don't even know why I started, you're lost in the sauce. And everyone can relate to this, no matter what you're in pursuit of, there is that moment of like, I just took it as far as I could go. But I ended up persevering because I had this alignment with my special needs brother. So I have a brother um, with Fragile X, and my thought was like, if I don't figure out how to make money, how to like be successful, he'll be institutionalized. And the fear of him being institutionalized gave me no quit, gave me no back door, gave me no other options. And as I'm reflecting on all these things, and I'm like, I wanted to quit this, I wanted to quit that. I should have quit this. I should have quit that. I persevered because I was like, if I quit, I can't take care of Stephen. If I quit, I can't take care of Stephen. If, if I quit, I can't take care of the Stevens of the world. And when I looked at that, in that this clear, this moment of clarity, I realized I'm like, wow. Well, thank God, I was always taking care of Stephen. That it wasn't. It was I had it all wrong. I realized in that moment, it was never me taking care of Stephen as much as it was Stephen who was taking care of me. Because Stephen gave me rise to these amazing gifts of no quit, no backdoor, figure it out, make it happen, like do whatever it takes, get your head out of your meshbuka, you know, like get get your, you know, get your get get it going. And when I saw that, I was like, oh my god. I'm like, I need to, if, if I survive cancer, I need to use my voice and continue to build my profile so I can use my voice to speak for those who can't speak for themselves. And I was like, you got to stop playing small, girl. Like you have more in your tank. So if you get through cancer, you. I made a vow. Like if I get through cancer, I'll never play small again. I'll never let the voices of fear, self-doubt or the weight of other people's opinions stop me from living, like going really big, really, really big. And that's why I have such access to the knowingness that you've got to do that checkup from the neck up because we are our own worst toxic enemies. It is nobody else out there. It is the decisions that we decide to hold on to of our beliefs about ourselves, our limiting beliefs. So when I had that breakthrough and I brought that to the other side of cancer, I was like, all right, you said you'd go big. You're a woman of your word. What you doing with your
0: big old dreams?
1: That's right. That's how I ended up on TV. I was like, "All right, let's go on the Today Show." All right, here we
0: go. So, as I'm listening to you, I think I already know the answer, and then it's going to be a backup question. Were you always driven? Were you always a go-getter, motivated like this energy? Did you have it as two-year-old, five-year-old little Barbara?
1: Yeah, I always wanted to make money. I'm not. I grew up very poor. And uh, the best part about growing up with no money and being at the checkout counter and your parents have bounced so many checks, you have to leave the grocery cart behind, checking out with, you know, government assistance, missing meals, having to go down to a lot. I have stories after stories of growing up without enough. And because I know that feeling, but I was also raised in a community where there was a very middle-class community because my parents wanted us to have a good education. So we lived in a very small apartment at time when we had an apartment. Um, but I w- I had access to the good life. My friends had money. They had resources. They had cars. They had food. You know, they had things. <laughs> they had food. They had food. They had champion sweatshirts, you know, I was like, Ooh, you know, I didn't know that. So, I had that exposure to the good life. So yes, I was like, I like that better than this. And what do I need to do? And let me share this quick nugget. My dad taught me very early on that it was all about the doing and it wasn't about being gifted or talented or anything like that. It was if you're willing to do the work, you can have the things. And here's what he did. He would take us to, he would drive us around neighborhoods to these beautiful houses. Now I live in the beautiful neighborhoods in the beautiful house. Mind you, we like don't have like, we're like on borrowed cars, living in a one bedroom studio apartment. We would get evicted I mean, we were like, a, you know, whatever. But he would drive us around to these beautiful houses, these beautiful neighborhoods. He would take us to Ferrari dealerships. Right, Ferrari dealership. We can't even afford a car. He's gonna pick out of Ferrari. And one particular time when I was in eighth grade, I had a meltdown. I was like, "Why do you do this to us? Like we're living in squalor. Like we're living with Uncle Jeff. Why are you taking us to you know look at Ferraris?" And he goes, "Barbara, they manufacture these Ferraris because somebody has to buy the Ferraris. And what we need to figure out, and what you need to figure out." is who are these people buying the Ferraris and what did they do to get them? What did they do to li- have this lifestyle and then do the things that they did? So the onus and the that was always on me. Like My dad was curious and not judgmental and very confident that if I wanted a Ferrari, I just had to do the work. And that was such, a, such an important lesson because I don't think we're taught that enough of like, just you have to do the things to get the things. Are you willing to do the work? Are you willing to learn and make the decisions consistently and get the right coaching and have the humility and screw up? Are you willing to do the things to get the things? And I just was like, I will do whatever it takes. <laughs> Uh, yes, I will. And I am not the smartest. I am academically not gifted. Graduated in a class of 360. My class rank is 180. Like, hello, you are average. Hello. Hello, average girl. Everything about me is average. I'm like statistically like the average height, the average weight. I am like, there's just nothing. I'm like, SATs, average, average, average. But I am above average aspirations.
0: I don't know if anyone's ever told you this but you could actually do your own own everything like your own shit. you have so much like there's so many questions i didn't get to i want to talk about your book Sabotage to success uh and then i also want to know what you're reading but before you do it goes back to the one question i knew that you were like this your whole life and i'm not saying that you slash i have it a little bit easier but people like us it's not that challenging for us to get out there and do stuff. Do you have any advice, really quick, because I am going to get to your book for that person that might, might be timid or shy or you know, sort of not like that outgoing that can help them move forward?
1: Just take the first next step. The the first next step. Don't worry about like just look down, take right foot, left foot. I remember being on Clubhouse the other day, and Regina was like. You know, when you're stuck in a marathon, just put one foot in front of the other. Put one foot in front of the other. Just stop. You don't have to see the top of the mountain to know that the top of the mountain is there. You just have to keep putting one foot and take that nice next right step. Love it.
0: Let's talk about this book, Sabotage to Success. Yes. So it's the pillars,
1: of, uh, the, the pillars of opportunity, the pillars of success, the things that we need to do. I really talk about the ways that I have sabotaged myself over and over again from living a fully abundant, pros- prosperous, happy life. And I just can't stress when you stop pointing fingers everywhere else and you can transcend send, transcend judgment, get clear about what you want and a whole slew of other things. The world can open up for you, but until you start moving out the junk, like you can't move in a new couch, right? Until you move out the old dead man body couch. You got to move it out. You have to make space. You have to become aware that the couch is old. It's dirty. It has to be retired. Nobody likes it. And it's not serving you anymore because the springs are popping through the the cushions. It's the same with thoughts and narratives and beliefs. But until you feel those those springs in the back, in your back, you're just not going to notice that maybe this is not working anymore. And what I try to do and what I'm doing through Sabotage to Success and the More Life Collective community is I want to help people really address what isn't working for them and then move in new furniture, move in new new new, new ways to think, new perceptions, because your perception becomes your reality. So I want to help more people grow their mindset and start getting clear about what they really want, what they're capable of and start, start getting there. So sabotage to success is really just really a a definite, like, it's my personal journey of being a total donkey and like getting out of my own way um, and living my best life. I mean, I wanted to be on TV my whole life. And until I was 40 and changed my mind of like, I've never like, I was the biggest problem. Like nobody ever like, I told myself I wasn't tall enough. I wasn't short enough. I
0: wasn't smart enough. I wasn't to the next topic I wanted to talk about. We're moving down my checklist. I love it. More Life Collective. If you're listening or watching, I actually met Barbara on an app called Clubhouse. She gives her time. She shares all the time. And you started with these little challenges and now it's expanded. Can you talk to us about this? Yeah, I think it, you
1: know, I, what I kept seeing is
0: people buying things
1: to get things, like buying Pelotons, buying apps, buying the cookbooks, and buying all the book, buying all the things. The buying things doesn't get you the results. It's taking action that does. And everyone kept asking the same, how do you stay motivated? How do you stay inspired? And I'm like, wait, 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 how do you, that's like, that's, those are emotions. Those are feelings. You don't stay motivated. You don't stay inspired. You stay Inhabit. You stay in action. You stay with consistency. So the impetus for the More Life Collective was like, let me help more people move from information to transformation through taking consistent action. Um, and that's what the collective is all about. It's all about resets, challenges, and in-person retreats, big action and habit-forming um, initiatives. Like it's doing things that get you the things. Buying the things is not going to get, you can't buy a Peloton and expect to get in shape, but that, that's what we're sold as Americans. and just, anybody uh, we are sold, you buy this supplement, you'll get in shape. You, you cannot, you have to do the things and doing is so much harder than just buying it and doing it consistently and doing it when you're not in the mood. It takes, it takes accountability it takes getting into this, like these habits and these behaviors and these regimens. And that's what the more life collective community is all about is helping you fortify the habits you need to get the outcomes that you deserve. Cause it's the habits that give you the results and not the information. I'll land it here. You can't buy a book on how to get pregnant and expect to have a baby after reading it. Okay. I love, okay. It. I love it.
0: So as we mentioned. I love it. This book is in pre-order, but by the time you're listening to this, it'll be ready for you. So make sure you go to themorelifecollective.com slash sabotage dash two dash success. And I don't know if she's reading my notes or not. But the last question, something you posted on Instagram, you were talking about, you have this happy chart, the 10 habits of happy people. And we're talking about habits where anything you want in life, it's all about habit change. I want to hear about your happy chart. But first, you're around Grant Cardone, Glenn Lundy, uh, all the people on the Today Show, on this show. Do successful people have different habits than people that aren't as successful as them?
1: (coughs) One hundred percent. I think there's just some commonalities. Um, I believe successful people are always in a growth mindset. They're always looking to learn. They try things. They they we don't look at things as failures. They we look at things as opportunities. That's the collective, you know. <clears throat> Where they look at opportunities to learn. Like nothing's a failure unless you fail to learn a lesson. Maybe that's not something you know something that it worked. Um, people have you know, a positive, a positive attitude. And they believe wholeheartedly that they deserve what they want, that they're actively in pursuit and deserve what they want. And there's just a different, there's a different mindset. Um, and they would never crush anybody's dream. I will tell you that right now. No successful person, if you tell them like, oh, this is what I want. Like, um, oh, I want a private jet. They're not going to be like, "You? who do you think you are? No, Anybody who's they're always gonna be like, all right, what are you gonna do to get that? What what does the jet look like? Where's it gonna where's the hanger? Do you want a big jet? Do you want a small jet? Do you want a fractional? Like, they'll get curious and not condescending. And that's the big difference. And when anybody tells me, like, you know what, you're just talking above people's head, they're not really interested in that. You're intimidating people, I'm like, "Mm," you know, I'm like, that's a reflection on you. Because if you hang out with me, you know what? You're gonna start believing in your goals. You know, but maybe you just don't. You're so caught up in you know your own bullshit. You don't want to believe in your goals. You like being a martyr, and I just am always. I have this one friend this is this down here. Uh, we're just we can't afford that. We're so poor. I'm like this I'm actually at the Jersey Shore because my oh. house is trucked <laughs> by trees. But you know, it's just this like now. Na- uh, like that's a terrible story. Stop. You know, we just can't afford it now. We can't afford it yet. We're working on it. Like, we're getting our acts together. We we can never afford... Uh, uh. I'm like, oh. <laughs> now, do you stay away from
0: the... I, I, those are like vampire suckers to me. Yeah. Do you stay away from those people or do you keep them at a distance? What What's your method?
1: Um, You know, I try not to be a dick around them. Because <laughs> I just want to be like... You, you do realize, like, I, you you started on third base, which means... Your parents put you through college you know you got a little dowry when you got married like you started on third base i started in the dugout w- with no cleats okay so if you can just get off your bullshit so i have to control myself because i'm like i don't feel sorry for you i don't i don't feel sorry for anybody don't come to you know so oh, I, oh, think yeah. I try not to be an asshole it's my goal like, oh my god Because. You- I'm I want them. I want to help them and be like, you do realize you're, you're, you're like sabotaging yourself. We're just poor. Well, you are, you literally manifest your own destiny. You literally speak that into existence. Words are so powerful. You know, like if you're like, I don't have my private jet yet. I don't have my oceanfront property yet. There's different ways. Oh, I could never. Okay. Well, that's, you're exactly right. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're exactly right. So I it's not that I don't hang out with them because sometimes they're my kids' parents or whatever. I just maybe limit that it does, it drives me that shit crazy. I'm like, I want to sit them down and be like, I need you to join the More Life Collective community, read my book, take my courses because you gotta like, because I can't, it's like it's I like roll my eyes. I'm like, oh, I feel so sorry for you. Oh, you're so poor
0: has anyone ever told you how cool you are just like bitch. <laughs> i'm serious like I can't wait to get on my plane and hit you up hey I got on my plane meet me in blah 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 For <laughs> girls yeah. show. like I just want to inspire people to
1: decide what their lifestyle that they want and then start being an active pursuit of it of like if that and that might not be on everybody's radar I just am like, I, I think it's really fun, Tina, to just be in like aggressive pursuit of the good life. You know, like, why not? Like, I'd rather fail in the pursuit than fail to try. And there's nothing wrong with being, you know, uh, you know, down on your luck and broke. But when you continue to speak that narrative into your existence, that's when it's not, we like we've all had tough times. God knows like where I came from um, because I just want to like as I'm like. I'm just getting irritated at somebody I'm thinking of right now. And I'm like, oh, they just drive me nuts with their, I'm so poor. And I'm like, you're poor because you don't work. And you don't, <laughs> you're unemployed. You don't try. And I'm like, so I said, I don't want to like, I don't want your audience to misread me because I've, I have been there. I, you know, I graduated college, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in debt and I had to borrow money from my aunt to pay rent and I have been down on my luck and I've, you know, um, had my tough times, but I've also rolled up my sleeves and took full control over um, over my destiny. And I want to encourage more people to do that and be careful of the words that you choose and the things that you say and the beliefs that you have, because they do become your reality. Your perception becomes your reality.
0: So change your mind
1: and change your destiny is
0: where wow. Last thing, and I promise, because it's so much, mine is your mindset, which we clearly can tell your mindset is phenomenal. It's like, go with a bazillion. Your body, when I say body, I think of your fitness, your nutrition. I was watching your Instagram, and you are talking about peanut butter and jelly. I love peanut butter and jelly, so I love that on there. And last, when I say soul, I think of faith. Can you share quickly your thoughts on faith, God, what do you think it's yeah.
1: important? So I think that whatever religion you ascribe to, I is your, is your, is, is, beautiful, is beautiful. And, um, you know, I have a lot of faith. Um, I some t- I heard this thing from Gabby Bernstein and it was in the middle of like, I was in crisis, you know, COVID and, you know, work from home, a divorce, like a very, very difficult time and something, another thing had happened on top of that. And I was like, oh my God. And the quote was, when you think you can't surrender, surrender some more and have faith that the universe has your back. The universe is conspiring in your favor. And I remember in that moment of utter despair, despair. I just had like every wheel had fallen off my bus. And I said, all right, uh, I'm just going to surrender and have faith that the universe is is knows better for me, that I understand why I have to go through all of this right now. And then they threw another thing on top. So what had happened was I had to stop doing TV because I had to work on some medical issues in my family. And um, I ended up on Clubhouse. And I only ended up on Clubhouse because all this crazy shit had happened. And I was like, all right, well, I just need to sit around and I guess I'll join this audio app. And I was on it. <laughs> eight, 10 hours a day, and it catapulted, catapulted me, catapulted me like in so many ways. Yes, I was already on TV, and yes, I still do television. But it really gave me this um, opportunity to hone my voice, to tell my story, to help inspire others, and to realize that I had so many more layers to offer to so many more people, and I could help so many more people by being like, "Get out of your own way, live your best life." I can help you. Like I'm, a, I'm the biggest. I'm the biggest problem in my own life over and over again. So um, when I thought I, when I surrendered to that faith, I was, I'm always, it's always, it happens. I'm like, oh my God, Clubhouse got me on 10X, has made me, I did do business with Brian Benstock. I bought a plane. I am on, I have my standing morning show, which I think is just really helped me articulate my message much stronger. So that's me in in my spirituality is like, always know the universe is conspiring for you. This is the school of life. Everything is supposed to be a learning, a growing opportunity. And um yeah, that's my faith. My faith. I don't ascribe, I don't think I'm a religious person. I'm a faithful person for sure. I
0: love it. I love it. And you just put it all together and I'm grateful for whatever happened that you were able to come on Clubhouse. And again, last thing I know I keep saying last thing. No, it's feel to know that you the ripple effect you are literally changing the world not just by me because once this goes out you're uplifting my mindset how does it feel to know that you're changing the world
1: you know i just i hope that i help as many people as possible see that they are beautiful they're powerful they have so much light and the universe is begging them to move into their power and to be, and I really did need that breakdown through cancer to get me to have that breakthrough, um, to step into my higher expression of me, to be a better version of me, to be a less judgmental, just a a better person. But I did meet Oprah once, and I'll share this, is that I asked her, you know, like, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who like aspired to be you, you know, aspired for your level of success? And she said something that will never leave me and always sits somewhere in my conscious mind. Um, success is a byproduct of helping and serving others. The more people you can help in this world, the more successful you're gonna be. So, the more people I can help step into their own beauty, their own light, their own power, their ownness, you know, um, then that just, that's I think where success lies. Cause Oprah told me, and we all know that Oprah's the queen. <laughs>
0: I usually like to bring my friend and supporting partner Renee through because uh, I can't do this alone and I want—I would love to talk about your tribe. So I'm going to pull Renee up, see if she has a question for you
2: before we get out of here. Any questions, Renee? Yes. Um, Barbara, before I get to my question, let me just say that I totally agree with you and believe that. We are all just as capable of every as anyone else who might be regarded with celebrity status. I've I've said that before. All of the people who come into Glenn Lundy's space, on Clubhouse, Grant Cardone, Brian Benstock, we have the same mind and the same capabilities that they do. So thank you for echoing that message. And your dad's story. I've heard your story many times. I believe that the story of him showing you guys, the cars and the houses was one of those, you'll thank me later for it teachings where he was instilling in you what you now do now to realize that you you're capable of achieving that just like those people were.
1: I agree. And I think that not enough uh, messaging is given to this, to the next generation. It is because it's fear-based of like, yeah, you go to school or get a good job. Like it, I don't know. There's just narratives and tropes that are out there that are so negative and so sabotaging. And they come from like people, your parents don't want you to get hurt. And they want to like just do, do the safe thing, get the job, get the um, and I I was so fortunate. Like my dad never was like, Oh, it must be nice, or the lucky people or the trust fund babies. He was like, just do the work that they did and then get the things that they have. I was like, okay. <laughs> Right, like a, a one plus one equals two. I'm like, all right, if I'm willing to work and learn how to do the work, then I get the things I'll do the work, learn the things, do the, get this So, Yeah. I think I was really blessed. And I, I try to impart that in all and everything that I talk about is, you know, there's nothing you can't learn if you're willing to do, uh, willing to do the
2: work. Right. So the other thing I wanted to Bring up before we close. Tina kind of touched on it is a lesson about when you feel that something is not right, call people out on it. Can you say what's up with Starbucks and the peanut butter sandwich?
1: <laughs> what a dumpster fire sandwich that was. Yeah. I mean, I went into Starbucks and I haven't had a peanut butter sandwich, peanut butter and jelly sandwich in a while. Um, that it's always like my pre-snack before I do like a race or something. And all of a sudden I was like, mm, I just saw peanut butter and jelly. And I I open it and I'm like, what what there's like a you have to go to my ins. I'm like, this right. is not, this is a faux sandwich so i went back up i was like i think this was a mistake obviously like the end of like a shift or something like somebody messed up and they gave me i got a second sandwich and i walked up i'm like there's nothing there's no peanut butter i don't know what this is it's actually so sad um but i'm like i'm on a peanut butter and jelly mission you know i think starbucks comes across as being such so socially responsible and i'm like well then support local Jam, Jim's jam, and peanut butter, and I I don't know, like stuff like that. So that's my Starbucks. Get your head out of your ass. That's awful peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and you can do better and stop chintzing out. I'm like, I am driven to be like, you will fix this sandwich or you're taking off your menu. Now, did someone see that post and send you stuff? Because I saw when you had like all these jars of peanut butter. I got Sprelly coming in, I got Jim's jam, I got nutty novelties i'm like oh shit i'm gonna be the pd and j lady um, i don't know but someday, you know i'm you know i'm trying to be more prevalent on social media and that's hard you know i'm like i'm a tell i like television where you're like all jazzed up with hair and makeup and i don't have my hair and makeup
0: all the time You know, i was gonna ask you that because i'm looking at your instagram and i'm like Okay, it literally took me an hour to do this. I'm like, I don't have an hour to do it. And your Instagram is just like, she looks so perfect. Do I have?
1: Really don't. You know what hat you see all the time is so funny. Like you see me in this all the time. Like that's like my look. And I'm like, oh my god, this hat doesn't owe me a dime. But I'm just starting to get more comfortable with being a little just a little more messy and a little bit more like, all right, well, this is like I got yoga. You're not even
0: messy because you're beautiful, it's natural, it's authentic. It's I love yoga, it.
1: Yoga hair, I don't, you know, I don't care. It's and it's frizzy and it's raining here. Anyway, bigger bigger problems to have. Yes, um, I love it. But I want I did want to share one thing and then we can go, but you know, I love Clubhouse and I love Breakfast with Champions. And I'm so lucky. I've been doing that Saturday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Breakfast with Champions for over two years. Um, And I just, you know, I can't encourage people enough to get on there, host their own rooms and then be, you know, have integrity about it. I treat that breakfast with champions like I do at today's show segment. I treat my audience like the today's show producer. I always show up, I'm always pre- prepared, and I always give my best. And I, I would love to see more people that are moderators and hosts have that kind of same clarity because it is a gift. It is a gift to have 50, 60, 150, we used to have like four or 500 people Doesn't matter if you have five people in a room or you have 5,000 people in a room or 5 million people on a television set, you treat every opportunity to impact people the same way. That's it. How you treat, how you do one thing is how you do all things. Um, And I just want to encourage more people to have that kind of. Clarity of like it is a gift to have somebody's ear and have somebody's time because time is our most valuable commodity, and that's why I think I do well on Clubhouse. Is I just I treat it like the Today Show, just as important. My audience on the on Clubhouse is just as important as the million people on
0: the Today Show. I love it, and I love the emails that you send as a reminder too. I'm like, oh, she's there. so yeah, Uh I love it. Thank you so very much. I'm hugging you. I didn't plan on doing a podcast. I didn't plan on doing a TV show, you know, with Aurea, I'm super excited. I don't know what's next. I'm, pl- I'm going to plan what's next. And oh,
1: you're amazing. You guys are both amazing. And thank you for this opportunity. I'm going to bounce. I'm, I got another yes. call. Yes. But you oh, bye. Are, are awesome. So thank, thank you. you. Bye.